I think one of the things that has definitely changed my perspective is when you are at the beginning, you can get caught in these ruts. You get the initial boost of energy and then what you think got you so well in those first sort of six months, you think you should keep doing those things. And I found that that was not the case for me. We're making these really elaborate YouTube videos. But when you're right at the beginning, volume is your friend. And I think I was in a difficult situation where I was investing so much time to try and make these quality videos. When I had no reach and I wasn't able to sort of connect with people and that was really stunting the growth and taking a toll on me and caught me in that rut. How do young men like us optimize our lives in a way that lets us achieve success and meaning? Come with me as I interview top performers and delve into key areas of life. Habits, finance, psychology, health, relationships, work, creativity and business. I boil the ocean of men's advice into usable wisdom in this podcast to give you the answers. My name is Blake Bottrell, and this is The Distilled Podcast. All right, Andrew, welcome back. Happy to be here. <laughs> You're in a new spot as we speak this time. You've had some pretty drastic changes in the last two months or so here. You decided to get up and move across the pond. What's going on there? Yeah, I, as every normal 27-year-old man would do, decided to up sticks and move to Eastern Europe on a bit of a whim as well. <laughs> That's where I am now. I'm in Bulgaria and having a very good time. It's one of those things that we've talked about before in terms of environment change being sort of one of the easiest ways to make a larger overarching change in your life as a first sort of stepping stone. And... We had talked a little bit and then you sort of obviously followed through of just sort of uprooting your whole life and moving to Bulgaria and finding an apartment. And you've got a couple of friends there, but uh, mostly just feeling like you needed to get out of this little bit of a rut that you're in and sort of making some wholesale change. And you made it a point to me that you wanted to be back in Bulgaria for the first of the year as a milestone to really sort of kick off 2024 well. So I came across this on a pack podcast and it sounds like it's a term out of the show Loki but apparently there is a distinct power that there is in like the turn of the year turn of the month same reason that more people go to the gym at the start of the month than any other time they're called temporal landmarks I didn't know that there was a technical term for this and it does sound straight out of an episode of Loki but for me personally I could not be because I'm not from anywhere exciting in the UK. I'm from somewhere seriously dull and really rubbish and boring. And it was going to hurt my soul if I had to spend another start of the year there. So I was like, no, whatever it takes, I'm starting the year proudly in my new Eastern European nation. Very proud. Made it home for the holidays and then back to Bulgaria to start things off. Cool, man. I didn't have a whole lot of plans for the hour or however long we wanted to chat here, but I think going off your point of temporal landmarks here, just using the sort of first of the year as a good reflection point to sort of look back on where we've been in the last year and looking forward into the next year, we're both kind of on similar trajectories here and just observing what we've done in the past year and making sure that we're like giving ourselves a pat on the back to say we've got this thing started and and really sort of run with it for the next year. So in in starting with that, I think I just wanted to get your thoughts on I don't know if you've been doing we only met, I should say, 
middle of last year towards the latter half of the year. And so I don't know if you've actually been doing this for longer than a year now or just coming up on a year or, or where you're at in sort of your progression journey in in the online money making coaching YouTube space. So give you a rundown of sort of the last year as you see it from your perspective and how far along you've managed to get since you sort of started here. So we are definitely past the 18 month mark because we're coming up to two years since I decided to quit my job. I know that that was the 5th of February because I'd made a promise with myself at that point that if I still hated my jobs, I was allowed to quit. And yeah, I'm coming up to 18 months. And one of the things that I would definitely touch on that was bigger for me this year than the previous year was when you first quit and you start this online business, you have got so much fuel that comes out of that like rush of, oh, I'm doing something new. I'm going off on my own. You've got probably a ton of naivety, if I'm going to put it completely bluntly, that you're able to run off that a bit of ignorance is bliss as you're doing all these things. I've got like, I got my first few clients. I'm like, this is easy. I'm going to be a millionaire next year. This is, gonna, this is an absolute breeze. I don't know what people are talking about. I think one of the major things that I, I encountered this year was those first like major trials and setbacks, I would say. And hitting your first, my first rut, like you spoke about, being in the UK, I think one of the things that has definitely changed my perspective is when you are at the beginning, you can get caught in these ruts that you get the initial boost of energy. And then what you think got you so well in those first sort of six months, you think you should keep doing those things. And I found that that was not the case for me, that I really was spending a lot of time making for me personally, we we're making these really elaborate YouTube videos. And for anyone that's watched any Hormozy at the minute, which was something I was going to touch on, he speaks to the power of volume. And that doesn't suggest, obviously, put out absolute low quality stuff. But when you're right at the beginning, volume is your friend. And I think I was in a difficult situation where I was investing so much time to try and make these quality videos when I had no reach and I wasn't able to sort of connect with people. And that was really stunting the growth and taking a toll on me and caught me in that rut. One of the things that happened since I was able to change the environment was I started with new style videos that are what I essentially called uncut because I will speak to the camera and go all the way through and you get all my ums, my ahs, my mistakes. I think this year specifically for me was a big insight into the things that get you through the first six months and the things that you initially start with aren't going to be the things that last forever. And noticing that before it's too late, and sometimes it will take a big environment shift to do that. Yeah, I think the sort of volume patience thing, like Gary Vee calls it macro patience, micro speed. So volume and volume up front, and then just being patient over a long time horizon. I'm definitely in the same camp you are of both timing wise i think i started the i wrote the first newsletter in august of 2022 and then recorded the first podcast in april of 2023 so 9 months on the podcast did 17 episodes fully published last year the goal was to get to 20 didn't quite get there i have uh a new goal for the upcoming year of making sure that I get uh, 52 newsletters and 52 podcasts published. So one a week, 
create 100, and, 100 pieces of content for the year, pillar pieces of content, and then sort of build off that. But I think building on what you were saying of figuring out what it is you need to do and not necessarily the things that you're doing at the start being the things that you necessarily are going to use to get you to where you need to go. I think for me, I experimented with a bunch of different stuff throughout the year. I thought I was going to make a whole Discord server. I thought I was going to have this whole online course repository. I was going to have this whole library of resources and then get a bunch of people converted into this like ecosystem and manage this group of guys that hopefully I could help mentor a little bit in some ways. And then when it came down to it, I realized I was like not doing the things that I actually wanted to be doing, which was just writing and talking to people like yourself. So it took me probably the better part of six months. And I think thankfully for me, I figured this out a lot faster than necessarily a lot of other people do is, and this will get into some other stuff that I'll talk about later for sure about sort of like lifestyle design and stuff, is that really stop and, and Hormozy and Williamson and those guys talk about this a lot, but make sure you're not sacrificing the stuff that you want to be doing in service of like some other thing that's supposed to get you to what you want to be doing. I should have pulled the Hormozy aphorism for that one, but yeah, don't sacrifice happiness for, or don't, yeah, don't sacrifice happiness for success in order to get happiness or something like that. Um, yeah, Chris has been huge on that. I've seen him mention it on so many podcasts. We have the whole fisherman story. Yeah. Or I think of yeah. uh, it's yeah. a guy who fishes. Parable of the Mexican fisherman. Yeah. The Mexican fisherman. Exactly that one. Yeah, just coming back to that, it's like really intentionally making sure that what I'm doing is the things that I want to be doing and knowing that there's a million and one ways to build a business and understanding that what you're seeing other people do online isn't necessarily the path that you have to follow and pulling the pieces that you want out and making sure that you're focused on those as the route forward. So for me, it was a lot of sort of getting the ball off the ground, experimenting a lot. I think I've now found the lane that I'm supposed to be in and my notion building template for this year has me give a word to describe my year last year i think my word was initialize and this year when i was filling things out the other day my word for 2024 is consistency so it's just about making sure that i'm continuing to put in those reps and now that i've found the lane i'm in stick into the lane and that's not to say that other opportunities won't arise but just trying to avoid shiny shiny object syndrome if i can Yes. I think one of the things that was a surprise to me and might be for someone else if they were to go down this kind of journey of pursuing other interests, especially ones in the creative domain and whether that is podcast, newsletter, writing, anything like that, the sheer quantity of your stuff that ends up being just kind of burned that you don't continue with. I was not really from any kind of creative background. I was from like accounting and finance and all these things. And moving to something that has such a creative element to it, realizing that you're going to pursue so many things that don't really come to anything. And ideally, the purpose of them is to gain the skill. Like I spent a bunch of time developing a bit of an Instagram account 
And then I've not touched that in months because YouTube seemed to be the one that I really wanted to go for. And the skill that I think you've managed to identify really well, where you went down a road far enough, but then you didn't get caught in a bit of a sunk cost fallacy. And that is my big thing for anyone really. If they're new to it and they're like me, it was just like, oh my God, there's so many things. And I've already put so many hours into making this Instagram account. Oh, we're, we're over this many followers. Being bold enough to be like, okay, despite the sunk cost, I don't think this is the route for me. And being able to make that shift and do that sacrifice because sacrificing and burning work is almost a necessity necessary part of being entrepreneurial and not one that I knew going in. Yeah, I think I probably all combined when I was working on this whole Discord plan to have all this repository of of resources and stuff. I easily put a couple hundred hours and probably almost $500 into ads trying to build out um, a good A-B test on how to convert people, get people into this Discord group. And I think by the time I shut everything down, there was close to uh, 150, 200 guys in the Discord. I mean, I think it's still living there. I haven't touched it in a while and probably should have made some sort of statement that, hey guys, I'm I'm backtracking on this and uh, I wish you guys all Mm -hmm. the best. But yeah, for me, it was just making sure I was auditing what I was doing. And when the audit came back that, hey, this thing isn't what we're supposed to be doing to, to listen to the audit that came back. So jumping off of that, I think... One other thing that I implemented in my life this year is coming back to this, and I don't know how far into this you are, but we've talked about it a little bit, is really putting more of an emphasis on auditing some of my life as it goes. And with that comes like some time blocking and calendar management and stuff like that. And I found this fantastic Notion template. I'm just going to give her a plug because I have mentioned it a couple times on various different things, but girl by the name of Jules Acri and have this notion template that's basically a full year long template that's broken down into year and then quarters and then months and after the months it gives me like a week and then the week breaks down into like a to-do list and some like sort of checkpoint goal type stuff and then it prompts me to do a sort of monthly check-in audit and a quarterly audit and then obviously I just did all my yearly reflection type stuff a couple of days ago as we're talking through this. But one of the big things for me in terms of like making sure that I'm on the path of life that I want to be on is making sure that I have regular check-ins with myself and being more intentional about how I'm reflecting on where I am in my life and where I want to be going next. Having the awareness of time is huge. I think that's what you're speaking to there of having those actual check-ins with yourself because we do default to routine and routine in its essence is neither positive or negative it's like how you use it you can routinely be an alcoholic so just because you implement routines doesn't mean it's always in your best interest and then as you mentioned as well just trying to actually attack things with intention because intention is also one of those kind of like buzzy words in the improvement space i would say but there's a reason for that i think even to link back to what we were just saying about the idea of things that get burned. I love something that I heard from Jordan Peterson where he speaks to that no time was ever wasted if you put your full heart into it. And that's what makes up for it. And it, I even think back on this year, the only things that I regret of things that I wasn't intentional when I was doing, I knew my full heart wasn't in it. I was just kind of 
going through the motions of making it rather than being all in. Whenever you burn something that you were all in on, like it might hurt a little bit at the time, but you'll always reflect back thinking, you know what? I, at least I tried. I, I did get a lot out of that. The only time you will ever waste is the time where you didn't try. Do you have one thing this year that was like a big takeaway for you? One single overarching theme that you keep coming back to as you're reflecting on the year? I know personality-wise, it is Hormozy. I think for a lot of people, he was the new coming figure. I'm sure there are people that knew about him before, but for me, he absolutely exploded in 2023. And he is very swiftly lining up there with the likes of Jordan Peterson, people that I truly have a lot of faith in their advice and how they do approach. So we spoke about it earlier, but I think the power of volume is... The power of reps, I think, is another way of see, seeing it as well. I think that was the big thing that I took out of this, of just, you can have whatever you want, and that doesn't have to be business-related. It can be speaking to girls. It's like, if you want a girlfriend, the power of reps is in your favor there. It's speak to enough people, and truly, someone will be interested in you. It can be doing whatever. If you go to the gym enough, like, it will start to work out for you. And for me, biggest overarching concept, has to be that kind of power of volume and to truly acknowledge it and see if there's a logical conclusion. How about you? Yeah, I, I resonate with the idea. And it's almost, I won't say antithesis to what I'm thinking for myself, because I do want to be doing more volume than what I'm doing now. But I think as I move into this next year, one sort of theme that I keep coming back to that I mentioned already is this idea of lifestyle design. And there's a couple things that I'll end up wrapping into this conversation, but mostly just the idea that this whole being intentional leads to eventually having the life that you want to have. And so pulling it back to the Hormozy thing of the slight antithesis of what his message is. And maybe not the antithesis of his message, but maybe a little bit of the antithesis of what Hormozy is in, in terms of his absolute insane work ethic is that I know for me that I'm never going to have that level of work ethic. So how can I design my life in a way that still allows me to achieve the things that I want to without having to make it feel like I'm bashing my head against a wall to write a book six hours a day for three years to publish two books and then record the largest webinar ever to have happened by using the examples and like he is just a freak of nature and mm. he absolutely loves what he's doing so it doesn't feel like work to him god bless him that would not be the way i would view that level of work it would be very demanding and there are other things in my life that i would also like to prioritize above making sure i do that so it's like how do I get to a level of sustainably putting out slightly more than I am now? And I think that's my experiment for this year is I've already been writing one newsletter a week. Can I now up it to also adding one podcast a week on top of it, like I'm saying? And then being able to mix that in with my other, I still have a day job that I work. How do I work that in? I got married this year, like lots of other stuff going on. So how do I make sure that I'm balancing all of those things in my life to both achieve the goals that I want to, to eventually make the newsletter podcast thing my full-time gig and still not sacrifice some of the 
happiness or whatever it is in the short term that I would end up coming back to, like we said, Mexican fishermen long term anyways. So mm. how do I fit all that stuff in is the Jenga game that I'm trying to play with my time now. So first of all, bravo for saying antithesis so many times in a row with no stumble. I would, <laughs> I was like two of them in a sentence and I think I'm done. <laughs> I'm not managing that at all. But also I, I fully respect it. And I think you hit the nail on the head of like, Hormozzi actually enjoys it and it's the life that he would design given the choice. So he is doing the lifestyle design of the reps and everything that he does. But as well as that, I'm in a quite unique position where I'm such a data nerd that I tracked every hour of work that I did for over a year. And I can 100% back you up that you said the words that how can you scale up? And I know from looking at the data, this is truly the only way to do it sustainably because I managed to work my way up to where I was almost comfortably working around 70 hours a week, which is a huge amount. And I only managed to do that by like incremental improvements. Since that point, I fell off that number and I'm back down and I've been trying to get myself back to 70 and I've figured out you can't just bounce back up. It doesn't work. Your body seems to like kick back against it. So even if you had this desire to become the hormosy type, it still requires that sort of gradually scaling up, going from the newsletter a week, the podcast a week, and then you never know, maybe you'll integrate something else. There's another quote, I think, I don't know if it's Chris's one, like we're just going to quote Chris and that all day on this. So the slow way is the fast way because the slow way is the only way. And that's something that I really love as well. And it's something that I've definitely noticed in my own life, I've managed to hit some quite good peaks, but it's never off this weird belief that you can just be like, oh yeah, I'm just going to brute force this. And then suddenly I'm absolutely killing it. No, it's not sexy, but slow scale seems to be the only way. The slow way is the fast way. Are there any local points of failure for you in terms of what sort of knocks you out of that rhythm or knocks you down from that 70 hours? Are there things that sort of pop up in your life where you're like, okay, yeah, I this is what's gotten in the way so one of the things that i think helps us help sustain it at the time is something that you've even hit on yourself i was no alcohol during that entire period i did not quite to your level of a year sober but i did 100 days sober and i can definitely speak to the effects of excessive alcohol just because of the repercussions of destroying the habits and the routines and i think i also had a significantly higher amount of accountability around me at that point the the people around me were also in a similar space and doing something similar and it's profound effects on yourself when you're in that environment doing that kind of thing another one is just a sheer sense of belief in yourself and what you're doing and that's something that takes time to cultivate i know personally speaking myself that i'm not Someone that is just like absolutely flush with confidence in their own ability. I, I've definitely got some neuroticism going on that's really keen to just find any excuse to give myself like knocking down the peg. So one of the easy ways that you can sort of start to stumble is if you have that and you just start to get a bit of evidence to sort of knock you off. Because that's the thing, as soon as you are performing really well, that's when your inefficiencies come in. So the 70 hours... I don't know that I was at the most efficient. So then if you're not doing the check-ins, then you start doing things that are inefficient. So then you start doing things that maybe cause a bit of failure. So then you start to sort of second guess yourself. 
And it's that slow unwinding as well. Yeah, I think there's two things there that I want to hit on that like fully flow into this like lifestyle design thing that I'm talking about is one of them that you touched on being the control in yourself and like really coming back to this idea of agency that keeps smacking me in the face for the last three months, whether it's in every single newsletter I'm reading or YouTube video or someone's talking about it on a podcast. And it really goes back to the auditing and just making sure that you believe that you have the ability to do something. So making sure that you're having those conversations with yourself to build that confidence to know that you're the one that's going to take control and be able to do that. And then the second thing there that you mentioned is having similar people around you. And I I think this was on a podcast that I was listening to this morning, talking about the idea of influencing like the microculture that you have around you. So it's it's really hard to walk outside and not be influenced by the existing culture that we exist in today. And whether it's like 50% of people are overweight or obese or people are going out partying every weekend or whatever it is, it's really hard to not walk out into that world and be influenced in some way. But you do have the ability to like influence the microculture that you have around you, the friends, the things that you put inside your home, the like food that you eat, like all that sort of stuff, tying back to the agency thing of like, that's your responsibility and you have the ability to influence those things. So really setting up the way that microculture in your immediate vicinity to be able to help you make better decisions and help, again, come back to design the life you want. That is absolutely your responsibility and you should be doing everything that you can to influence that microculture in a positive direction. Yes, 100%. Realistically, we wouldn't be able to walk if we weren't mimetic creatures. Like We're so programmed to take influence from everyone around us. It's how we learn to do anything when we're younger. So it's always going to be a part of us. And being deliberate in your relationships is something that I've spoken to a lot of guys about recently that we have started to develop a bit of a romanticism around your relationships and that they shouldn't really require any work. It's very like Disneyfication. And this is relationships in a romantic and social and professional sense. The relationship itself takes work and to be able to have people around you that bring out the best in you is not a straightforward task anymore. Like me and you live other sides of the globe and we managed to eventually find each other and have that positive influence. But if you don't have any agency and you settle for the friends that you had growing up, I'm going to say it's a really unlikely shot that these are the ones that are going to bring out the best of you through every season of your life. Because even myself, I always have different circles of friends that operate as different sort of mirrors for me and they bring out different sides of me and I do that in a deliberate, intentional manner because I know I need them. I even have my party friends because I know that I do that once every three months or something. I actually quite need some stress release and being that intentional. I think another thing you mentioned was micro decisions. And I don't want to go all atomic habits here, but the power of the little decision is insane. And from someone who did track all the little decisions for over a year, it's say this is an example for me. It's like I went ages without cracking and watching TV and watching just content that wouldn't be considered productive. But 
it then hit the micro decisions of those sort of chinks in the armor. Maybe you're ill. Maybe you've had a bad day. And then you're deciding if, oh, I could justify maybe just watching a couple of episodes of Community or Rick and Morty, whatever it is that you're deciding to go for. And then you just slowly open up the window and like it seeps into the crack and makes it bigger and bigger. And it is those micro decisions. And I think that was another thing that took me down a little bit. Uh, Because I was on a high, I started justifying a few things that I wasn't doing that got me there. And paying attention and being super intentional with even your little micro decisions, they're what accumulate. And it's it's been done to like James Clear or Heroes just smash this book. There's a reason it connected as a book so well. It's because it's really true. Yeah, we talked about this last week. I wrote the newsletter and then we had a conversation with setting up sort of defaults in your life so that you have these rules where obviously James Clear Mm -hmm. talks about his systems and you don't rise to the level of your goals, you fall to the level of your systems. And then the conversation further that I had with you was a guy named Daniel Kahneman was having a conversation with Shane Parrish, who runs the Farnham Street blog and newsletter, written a bunch of books. And he was having a conversation with Daniel Kahneman. And Daniel Kahneman had this idea that he has just set up rules in his life to try to overcome some of his bad default behaviors. And what his example that Shane caught on to was that Daniel has a rule that he does not say yes over the phone because in the tendency to be people pleasing and say yes in the moment and do the thing for the social connection or the cloud or whatever it is over the phone when in reality, if you were making that decision level-headedly, you would have never said yes to that thing. So Daniel has a rule where he does not say yes over the phone. He says, I'll get back to you in a couple of days once I've had a chance to think about it. Thanks, bye. And the reason, the second reason that's so powerful is Daniel talks about the idea that like we've been taught to follow rules our whole lives. So if I simply tell people my rule, they don't question it or they don't get upset because they've just learned that, okay, this is his rule. I have to follow his rule. And so coming back to the idea of systems there, I ended up coming up with sort of 10 immediate uh, rules that I wanted to set up won't be an exhaustive list, I'm sure, but to sort of change some of the default behaviors in my life. And coming back to the point that you were making about romanticizing relationships and and making sure that you're putting the work in, there's definitely a couple of those rules tied to making sure that I'm intentional about making time in my relationship. And we try to do date night on Wednesdays. So one of my new rules is on Wednesday nights, I cook. So that's one of the defaults that I'm setting up and hoping to stick to. I One of my other little things that I talk about frequently is I like to leave little sticky notes around the house with little love notes and reasons that I love my wife and stuff, and it never stops putting a smile on her face. So making that one of my rules of write a love note every day and just making sure that you're setting up those defaults to making sure that your those default actions that you take every day and those systems that you're building uh, the rules is just another the rules is just another step on top of that so yeah i love that i've so much to say but i'm curious what was the last thing you cooked put you on the spot well we didn't do anything last week because it was a holiday so what did i cook the week before i don't remember we haven't done date night in a couple weeks so i don't remember what i cooked oh 
don't remember. Well, my speciality is burgers, so I'm sure you were doing slightly more fancy than me. We did. Um, we did get a couple of new cookbooks for Christmas, so I'll have to peruse those and start making that a point on Wednesday. So I, yeah. the I think the podcast that I watched this morning was Chris's new one with. Oh God, I don't. I already don't know his name. There's something really uh, sleep. Yeah, it was sleep. But the, in doing that, they got into talking a bunch of stuff about nutrition and health and mm. just going into, and, and this is something that we try to do a lot anyways, but just making sure that we're being intentional about eating a lot of whole foods and just, I, I, I think it's, there's a name for the effect where you like see things after learning about them, but I've been seeing a lot of stuff about sort of ultra processed food in the last couple of weeks. So it's really been ingrained into me that I need to go to the grocery store and start shopping around in the produce section instead of those middle aisles so i think to hook us back onto the sort of like rules function this one isn't a distinct rule but i remember hearing it's like the fewer ingredients something has in it the better is just like an easy framework to see the world through but i'm all down for rules we now live in the age of self-control like the trait you want for success in the 21st century is self-control because pure pure abundance and managing ourselves is now the biggest task because we're just not always that great at followers. Like we're a bundled up jump of emotions that have competing desires to do everything. And if you think you have complete control of yourself, you're in for a surprise. Like I consider myself quite a controlled and measured person. And even I know it's just like I've maybe got 30% of the handle. <laughs> and that I think if I was to look at two i know i've got two habits down that operate as my rules the very specific ones and if i was to say that these are probably my two favorite that i introduced this year and as a rule my first one that i call it is heath before tech and i'm in love with this rule and it's been one that has helped me the most because it's super easy to just after you've woken up watch youtube or see all those text messages that might have come in and get that dopamine hit and no matter what I tried, if I was just like, oh yeah, don't use your phone in the morning, like it doesn't work, it doesn't work. But doing a atomic habitsy thing, it's like we all brush our teeth. Well, we hope we do. <laughs> so teeth before tech always operated as this perfect system where it's like, oh, it also gets me out of bed because I'm like, I want to see if X, Y person has texted me or what I need to do today. So I'm like, bollocks i'm gonna have to go brush my teeth now and get out of bed <laughs> so fundamentally one of my new rules i love that one and would highly recommend it to everyone anyone that i've shared it with clients wise they've now adopted it as their own yeah i i i can get behind that one for sure i do my best and i one of my new rules is no screens after 9 30 and i'm not allowed any screens mm. in my room except for my ipad which i basically just use mm. as a kindle or an e-reader but it's an iPad mini, so it's perfect, perfect size. I was, I did have a lot more stuff on it. I like two weeks ago purged all the apps and stuff that I had on it. I like don't even have a web browser on it anymore. So it's literally just an expensive e-reader, which is why I wanted it. So that's all good. <laughs> that's perfect. Like delete is it's annoying. We sometimes have to treat ourselves like children and it's sort of embarrassing that I need to delete the app just so I won't go on it. And we think we're above that and what I've seen a lot of times with clients that I've worked with, and even like myself a bunch of times, 
sometimes we won't lower ourselves to the level of making correct change because we, like, as I say, we think we're above it. But in reality, treat yourself like you're a 10 year old and you actually get really good results and just think, oh, you don't want to go on that app. Well, it's deleted. It's no longer on your, on your iPad. Are you going to go through the inconvenience of downloading it? I didn't think so. No, that's true for sure. And I, one of the things that I'm reading now is Digital Minimalism by Cal Newport. So he talks a lot in there about the sort of relationship that we have to technology and the idea that we've sort of adapted this maximalist lifestyle where if you see anything that has the potential to be even slightly beneficial to you, you immediately start using that technology without taking into consideration what the trade-off is. Going back to the Thomas Sowell quote of there's no solutions, only trade-offs. And we just immediately assume that any marginal increase in productivity or benefit or happiness to our lives that we're going to get from these apps or whatever the technology is, is immediately better than our existing life today. And the problem is that scales to infinity because you could never possibly use every bit of technology that's out there. So there's, there's a stopping point at some mm. point, but also people then never look at the trade-offs. They're just like, okay, I've adapted all this new technology without realizing you're now spending 20 hours a week on social media, just scrolling. That's not of any benefit to anything in your life outside of maybe seeing what your ex had for dinner last night or what three of your high school friends did last week. So yeah. Uh, Instagram is actually the worst for that. And I would, I would love to reset people's like frame to this because I'm someone that didn't have Instagram for ages. I used it a little bit for work, but never scrolled. And then I recently got in a position where I needed to go on it because there was someone that I was messaging and the only way I could communicate with them was through Instagram. Oh my God, it's so addictive. Like I'm trying to express this as much as I can because anyone that's been on Instagram long enough is just going to think it's fine. I want to just reset that as a New Year's gift. It was like, I went on it and I was just watching the dumbest videos over and over again of like classic UK bits and stuff like that. And guys just drawing like penises on dusty vans and things like that. And it's, oh my God, Instagram is not like any other one. I, I can't speak for t- TikTok because I've not even ventured that far. I think TikTok would end me. I think that is where like honest improvement would go to die as soon as I downloaded that. But for anyone who has been in the environment long enough, that's been looking at what the ex cooks for dinner recently, like really readjust because there are professionals that make these videos and they know what they're doing because they're insane at this point. It's, it's so mindlessly entertaining. I was astonished because I just wasn't in that space. And I think I miss the slow buildup of Instagram, of like how it's progressively become very reels-based, very sort of engaging, very fast-paced. I missed all that, so I felt like I just got like an adrenaline shot of cocaine every time I went on there. It was just, <laughs> I went naught to 60 with Instagram, and it, it blew my mind. Yeah, I wrote a newsletter over a year ago now. It was sometime the previous summer, and I forget what I titled it, but the... Essentially, the whole premise of the newsletter is framing things of you versus 115,000 other people. And who do you think is winning? Mm. 
And as you get through the article, you begin to understand that 115,000 people is the number of people that are directly employed by like Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat, TikTok, Twitter, all these companies. And their sole objective is to make you spend more time on their app to increase advertising dollars. That's it. Full stop. Like there's no other purpose for any of those employees to exist other than to get you to spend more time on the app. So if you think that your willpower is going to beat the knowledge and brain power of 115,000 other people, you have got to be one arrogant bastard if you think that that is how you should be spending That's your life. You're and winning. How, you are not winning, my friend. I can tell you that very much. <laughs> yeah, 100%. If you would say one note away from this entire podcast, it'd just be like, probably I could delete one of those apps. Just if you, if you were to do one thing, just like delete Instagram and just see what happens, you, are, you would have so much time. I do this with people on a weekly basis where I'm just like, okay, well, what happened this week then since you deleted the apps? And they're just like, they're astonished because I call it the, you earn back the space between moments. So those unconscious times where you've already like programmed into your hand what you do, it's like the phone comes out, you've scrolled, you're on Instagram already. You miss out on the space between moments when you stood in a line, whatever you're doing, and you start to gain that back. And they're super, super powerful, I think, to maintaining regular and good mental health efficiency <laughs> that they're just those cleansy opportunities so that that's the that's the one one thing to hit on what's been a couple of the things that you've stumbled across this year in terms of content that you've uh really enjoyed or has made a big impact on your life this year okay so uh, the amount of caveats I'm going to put to this because I'm going so weird with my pick. Right. When This is one of the questions that you did give me a heads up to ahead of time. In that question, you said recently. So this is one I came across in the last uh, month and it was called The Symbolic Meaning of the Dark Knight Rises. That's <laughs> 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 the thing I'm putting forward is this video which was made by someone called Storytellers on YouTube. I found it amazing. I've watched it like three times because I love comic book movies and The Dark Knight, like my favorite, favorite of them all. And I always felt like the final film was a bit of a wet blanket. And I appreciate I'm taking us on a tangent, but I'm bringing it back. Don't worry, like we're coming back. So I watched this one and it truly broke down for me what this film was about on a deeper level of it being more about Bruce Wayne's belief in himself, that he, at the Dark Knight, he's at the top of his game, absolute beast. By the final movie, he's paying for the sins of the lies that he did previously, and he goes up against Bane, someone that has true belief, and he's really out to get Bruce Wayne, and it sends him down to the bottom of a pit, and even at that point, he still doesn't believe in himself, and the whole movie premise is this idea that he wanted to die, he just didn't believe in the cause anymore and the impacts of those actions. And for me, that is such a powerful notion because we spoke about being intentional, spoke a lot about belief, and this video broke it down for me, how much of an impact that will truly have and acting in line with your own true morals and what you want to do spoke to me as well because I've been experimenting a lot this year and I'd 
spent a lot of time on Twitter, and this is something that I'm having challenges with. And I've definitely noticed the difference in my abilities when I'm doing something that I actually believe in versus not. And this isn't some fruity loopy, oh, you should believe in yourself kind of thing. It's like, legit, do you actually want this outcome? Or are you doing this because someone else thinks you should do it? Because I guarantee you, if you're doing something because you actually want it, you won't just get twice the results of doing something for other people. You'll get a hundred times. So that piece of content, because it was framed in a movie story that I knew about, I'd highly recommend it. Great watch. Makes you really appreciate the third movie a lot more. Is my number one <laughs> for content watch this year. I love it. I think that's great. I'm a huge, huge fan of the sort of narrative of deeper underlying symbolism in pop culture or narratives or whatever it is. And coming back to this idea of, of auditing or understanding and people, yes, obviously movies and entertainment are supposed to be entertaining, but taking a step back and really taking a look at what it is that you're watching and using some second order thinking on the things that you're consuming and some of the symbolism behind some of these entertainment pieces, whether it's just for fun or like, I could be a nerd here, but I sort of really enjoy the breakdown of like understanding what you're saying of some of the symbolism behind these things. So that's a really hits home for me and I might go check it out. I haven't watched uh, any of the Dark Knight movies in years. I think I probably watched them when they came out and I don't know that I've reprised them since then, but yeah, might get me back into that. Yes, I'd highly recommend that for anyone that hasn't ever considered this and part of their content diet as such to be take what seems to be a reoccurring theme of this call of just like taking a bit of an assessment of what's going on with that. And then also considering that fact of the deeper symbolism of meaning behind the content, because the most amazing stuff can inspire you. Like the true hero's journey, there's a reason that some elements of content end up being timeless. Like the original Star Wars is beat for beat the hero's journey, which if someone hasn't come across that is meant to be this like archetypal story that we all go through of the adventure of our lives that hits on all these uh, beats that we all recognize across film and using them to apply to your own life. Like there is so much or so many insights that I've taken from story that I think has been essentially me making the correct decision during life. And if for some reason you don't believe in the hero's journey or archetypal story, look up the meme that's going around the internet of the original plot of Star Wars A New Hope and they just cross out all the names of the Star Wars characters and plug in the names of Harry Potter characters and it matches plot for plot. Like it's not even you read it and you're like, oh my God, it's the same story. So that's, that's yeah. the hero's journey. Yeah, it's it's incredible once you start finding the co common themes across all the different movies. It's just like, I'm sure you could map it onto The Lion King as well. One of the just riffing on this for a second, I read a book this year called Storyworthy by Matthew Dix. And it's a fascinating read for anyone who A, wants to be a better storyteller, but B, get more out of the understanding of some of the larger stories that we tell ourselves, whether it's in entertainment or just some of your everyday stories. He does a really good job of walking through what makes a good story in your everyday life and why the stories in your everyday life are important. And 
he frames it in a way that basically any good story boils down to about a five second moment. And then the entire rest of the plot of the story is built around maximizing this five second moment. So you work backwards from having this climax at the end and really sort of backfilling all the other elements of the story to improve the impact of this five second moment. And for not to give away the whole book, but he gives one of the examples in the book he gives is the original Jurassic Park movie and talks about the fact that it isn't really a movie about dinosaurs. It's a movie about um, the old guy. I haven't seen, I personally haven't seen the movie in God knows how long, but the five second thing in that movie is when he's like holding the kids in, I forget where there's like in a tree or behind something, but like the idea is like his whole thing in the movie is like he's not going to have kids with his partner or whatever it is. And then finally get to this five second moment at the end of the story of like comforting these kids and whatever it is. So just really like this, these sort of like epiphany moments and all the dinosaurs in this movie are just trying to get them to this point of having this five second realization of like, Oh, I really do care. And, and this is sort of that hero's moment that comes to it at the end. So I love that. I'm picturing Simba after defeating Scar walking up Pride Rock. It's like the music swells and I could easily see it's just like, how do we make this guy's ascension to the throne the most powerful thing ever? And it's like, oh, framed for his father's murder, exiled, all these kind of things that have all gone in. I swear to God, like I'm a 27 year old man. Every time I watch that scene, I get chills. I will see Simba going up, up that pride rock, just ready to roar out on top. And it is epic. So yeah, I'm all for the fact that movies have far more layers than you would expect. And I think if we were to do another call like this, one of the things that has been, I haven't explored it enough to be able to articulate it well enough, but I'm really starting to believe there is something to story of it being so innate within us that all we ever do is speak in story. And it's why anytime someone tells you something within the confines of a story, you remember it. And is there any other thing, any other form of communication or even how we live our lives? Is it in a form of the story? Are we living out the archetypal elements of the hero's journey? Or maybe you're living the tragedy. And it's the reason we recognize these stories because they all live within us and actually in our people conscious. But I think we could definitely do want to call on that one time because that is something that is truly fascinating to me. Absolutely. Pulling us back on track here a little bit. One of my mm. sort of favorite pieces from the year comes from one of our favorite guys, George Mack, and one of his newsletters mm. where he has some thoughts on video games and the idea that, and this sort of ties back into our 115,000 people thing, is... Video game developers know more about human psychology than 99% of psychologists. And he talks about the idea that basically the most downtrodden people you know could sit and play video games for 16 hours a day without feeling like there was any sort of friction. So in order to get somebody to do that, you really have to lay some incentives in front of them to be able to stick with something for 16 hours and not get bored of it, right? So one of the things that he's extrapolated out from that is how, and that I'm absolutely going to steal, that again comes back to the lifestyle design idea, is how can you make your life look more like a video game? 
And tying into that, a newsletter from Sahil Bloom that he wrote last week about his sort of like planning for the year type thing. I'm not I'm not here preaching anybody how you want to do your yearly planning or whatever it is. Everybody has a different way and that works for them. But coming back to this idea of gamification, you have sort of these big goals. And then in a video game, all the big goals are broken down into much, much smaller goals. And then all of those goals, those smaller goals are broken down into systems. Coming back to the James Clear point, and then Sahil also adds some other uh, anti-goal type stuff that we've talked about of like finding out what isn't exactly what you want to do. So putting, making sure that's in the anti-goal section of your yearly planning, but really finding a way to have those big goals for the year, break it down into, and I think my Notion template that I stole, I'm just stealing a whole lot for my year here, but yeah, my Notion template does a great job of that, breaking stuff down year, quarter, month, and then uh, week as well. So I think really making sure you're putting in checkpoints and the gamification of everything that you can to make things feel more fun. And I have, have been like loosely doing this for the past couple of months anyways, but really sort of going to try to take this to the next level moving forward of how can I make sure that I'm putting the right incentives and reward structure in place to sort of gamify even some of the stuff that has to get done, but I don't necessarily want to do. So I love that. And I'm definitely on board with as much gamification as possible. It's stuff that I, similar to you, it's like something I always kind of tried to incorporate, but not in any specific fashion prior to recently. But I think I saw, it might have been on a podcast where it said, it's a really bad idea to say that you want to lose 10 kilograms. What you want to do is lose one kilogram 10 times. Because then after every single one of those, you get that dopamine rush of pursue, goal, achieve, next goal after it. Because that's what we truly run on. And seeing that play out, I can honestly tell you that is definitely how it's worked for me over the course of the year. And looking for every little way of timing yourself for gamification as well. I'm quite a loser who's like really competitive with just himself at innocuous tasks. And... Yeah, I would often time myself even just how quick can I get to the gym this time just so I go to the gym because it makes it more interesting. How am I going to beat last, last week's time? And I would be absolutely on board as well with the idea that video game designers are doing something pretty miraculous if they can appeal to people who are at the bottom of the motivation society breakdown. And they're able to somehow get them engaged with something for 16 hours a day. It's pretty impressive. What else you got for me content-wise? I'm going with the oldie. I'm going with an oldie this time. But I think it's one that's eternally important to me. So anytime I get a chance, I would always advocate for it. And it is simply rule eight of Jordan Peterson's 12 Rules for Life. I think if you haven't read it and you think you just know his rules... You should still go read it. It's the specifically the chapter on truth that I've been plugging at this for a while now uh, after coming across it. And the longer you go of understanding what truth is, and once again, it's not in this like childlike thing of like, oh, you should probably tell your parents the truth and seeing it more as a framework for living. I think it becomes an absolute game changer. 
that once you start to pay attention to it, I always speak to the boomerang effect that he believes and throughout his clinical work, he has seen that no lie has ever been, doesn't come out eventually. It doesn't have an impact on you, that everything comes with a cost. So I've started to see it of any lie that I ever tell is a boomerang cast out into the world and it's coming back to get me. And it might simply be the stress that is put on myself for when that might be, that maybe you're, you do some speeding or whatever it is, you, you lie about speeding. Even if you get away with it, you're still going to be stressed that you're maybe going to get caught at some point. You pay for the lie and that every bad thing usually leads back to one. So for me, if I was ever talk about these sort of like fundamental core concepts and for core bits of content that someone could look at, read that chapter and then read it every single year and keep reflecting back on it. Because one of my goals for this year is to, it's a lofty goal, all right, and I know I'm going to fail, but tell the truth as much as I can for as long as possible. And I've been having to correct myself on this call multiple times because we all have that innate thing of like, I was about to give an example of like, that one isn't entirely true. So you can't give that one. And that's, is one of my goals for the year. And if I was to talk about powerful pieces of content, I want to speak to ones that have impacted me for the longest, because I could give you one that I've listened to recently, but I've not, Dark Knight Rises aside, <laughs> um, I've not had enough time to test if it is truly impactful. And this one I have, I think if I was trapped on a desert island and I was allowed one chapter to read for the rest of my life, I think I'd read this because it has had the most profound impact on me that maybe you've been lying so long that you don't even know it's a lie anymore and it's still ruining ruining your life so yeah i've i've got to advocate for that Oof. you've been lying for so long you don't even know it's a lie anymore that's a rough one <laughs> i like to yeah, yeah i i think actually you know what i didn't read it i actually very distinctly remember I have the audiobook version and I know that because the first time I listened to it was when I was in Thailand and I remember being in my little condo in Thailand and running on the gym running on the treadmill in the gym in this little condo in Thailand listening to Jordan Peterson tell me to do all the things and that was one small stepping stone in a in a seven month journey that sort of changed everything I thought about life. But yeah, it's definitely worth coming back to for sure. Yeah. I think just because you've read something once doesn't mean you shouldn't return to it. And I consider like audiobooks and reading it somewhat interchangeable. I know there's uh, a lot of literature of how reading is Puritans different. And, I do and both all those before. people out there. Yeah, listen. exactly. That's it. Before they come for me with a pitchfork, like, yeah, I get it. Reading on your phone and on books is better and I do both but I'm all here for audiobooks like I love being sort of like a visual not visual audio listener of how I get information as well so I'm definitely down for it and the fact you have a memory of this I think that's the best thing that you can do that you were in a specific place in time listening to that book and I think I've found running with audiobooks has that effect that if I especially if I do different routes dependent on the book it helps me remember the book better so that's a little funky pack as such if you want to do listening to audiobooks the more novel the activity you're doing whilst you're listening to it will likely increase your ability to remember what's being said 
I got one more piece of content here and then uh, we'll move on to some sort of plans for next year. But this one's a little bit more of a weird meta answer that hopefully people can take something away from is for me, some of the content that I've learned the most from this year has quite literally been my own writing. And it's not a plug or anything. It's quite literally a meta. Check you out. It's it's quite (laughs) literally a meta answer of my understanding of things gets so much better when I have to articulate it myself, whether it's in podcast form like this or in written narrative form in a in a newsletter. So having to pull life experience plus information that I've learned and turn it into some sort of compelling story with some supporting statistics or whatever it is. And for me personally, that all gets caveated by the fact that it has to be under 500 words for the newsletter. It really forces me to understand the topic that I'm writing about or talk about the thing that I want to talk about in the simplest and easiest to understand possible terms. And in doing that, it really helps me boil down a lot of the stuff that I learn about into the simplest method possible. And and in doing that, I think I'm able to ingest a lot more. So my takeaway from that is to tell people, and you've been told this your whole life and nobody wants to admit it because I was the person that never took notes and never wanted to do anything for school or anything like that. But coming back to what we were just talking about, Watching or listening to something is one thing. Taking notes on that thing is another thing. Synthesizing those notes into something readable or that you can look back on is another step on top of that. And then being able to talk confidently about the subjects that you've written about is another step on top of that. So just going down or up that ladder, however what you want to visualize it, of understanding that this is how knowledge is best learned and transferred is the sort of ladder to success of learning any particular topic, I think. So that's the meta answer of the content piece that's sort of helped me out the most. I love that. I just, I think yours is a very profound and effective answer. Cheap plug, you know, just still, just still news that I check it. I read it <laughs> and genuinely I enjoy it. <laughs> the transformation of information is the way that we remember it and is the most effective way. And it's not even about remember, I think understand it is a better way of praising that if you have the ability to transform information, you will understand it far better than you ever could through just hearing or reading it. And yeah, and when me and one of my friends, we speak to a ratio of our consumption to production ratio. And whenever that starts to get out of whack, that we're just starting to consume, even if it's good stuff, way more than we're producing, we know something is wrong and you would get so much more value out of writing five newsletters than you would reading a hundred because they're your own thoughts you're creating the neural pathways yourself for what these ideas are and you mentioned it as well the constraints to whatever you're creating they're the most important things that they allow true creativity and thinking of there's a really good guy guy to this robert rodriguez that's it he's like an indie film director and he was one of the big inspirations on a podcast with Joe Rogan. They sort of plug for another piece of content. He speaks to creativity in such a manner because he is such a scrappy guy of how he pulled together films on no budgets, did all the things himself. And he's just 
one of the best people I've seen as a creative force and all he ever speaks to is the fact that creativity requires that constraint. And a lot of it, he also says, is getting out of your own way, which is pretty fascinating because I think well, I was in this place where it's like, oh, I can't write a newsletter. I can't do these things because I need X, Y, and Z. And if maybe someone listened to you and said, oh, yeah, well, I can't be the one that writes news. I can't start a podcast or whatever it is. It's just you're getting in your own way of creativity there. There's no one else that's telling you that. It's just you. And if you were looking for the most effective way of doing something and learning it, to do it yourself. What are some things for you planned for next year? I'm going to hold your feet to the fire on our January 1st, 2025 podcast of what you want to get accomplished this year or what you're hoping to do over the next well, this truth one is a bloody lofty goal, I gotta say. So that one that was going in top. What we'll do, you can do a clip reel of every time that I've like misled or lied on a bus. I'm gonna start pulling to everything year. from your YouTube channel for the next year. So you'll find at minute six. Yeah, we'll have a we'll have a smash <laughs> cut in the middle of the podcast next year for sure. Brilliant. So that is one of them for me. I'm really, really aiming for. But in terms of actual school stuff, I'm really working hard to improve my ability to communicate. As you might have seen across this call, I'm a little bit obsessed with Jordan Peterson. And one of the things that, without white question, all he ever refers back to, one of the best things a guy can do to make him be someone who is competent and powerful and effective in the world is to be someone who is more articulate. And I'm kind of attacking that in three different ways that I've broken it down into sort of reading, writing, and speaking. So I'm trying to read a little bit more. I know you're being careful with how much you consume at the minute, but I think for me, I'm trying to expand it, especially into areas and ideas that I've not encountered yet. And this is why I'm falling in love a little bit with newsletters, including the distilled one, chief one. And then in addition to that, trying to increase my ability to get across my point in a manner that will include a story and work on vocal tonality and do all these things because it's not, it's not quite the same as me saying, oh, I want to just upload 500 YouTube videos on a thousand subs, whatever it is. I want to try and aim for things that are so within my control and are such eternal things to try and grasp onto of who I could be by the end of the year. And I think for me, communication is one of them. So I'm forcing myself to mainly send voice notes if it's going to be a text over three lines it almost needs to be a voice note now just to constantly get the practice and try and work on the ability through the year to communicate in a manner that i think would be more effective a bit abstract but that's my one nice it's a great idea i keep i i've heard you've mentioned the voice notes thing a handful of times i don't text anybody other than my wife so Maybe I'll throw some voice notes in every once in a while, but uh, I, I don't know. I don't have anybody on WhatsApp either except for you, and we talk, send a handful of text messages a couple times a week just to make sure we're caught up ahead of our weekly call. But yeah, no, it's a good one. I It would definitely benefit me too, but I think I'll get the majority of mine or hopefully get the majority of mine through having more co podcast conversations as well. So I've got a couple tangible ones for me for sure. Um, looping back into the gamification type thing and hitting on one of Greg McEwen's points here of uh, what would this look like if it were easy? 
And so for me, one of the things is obviously getting out and exercising more as everybody wants to. I've found in the last couple of years that I've really fallen in love with both indoor rock climbing and disc golf. So a couple really easy forms of exercise that don't feel like exercise to me, but are still a good enough form of getting me out there and, and making sure that I'm interacting with people. So those two big for me are going to try to work in more fun exercise type stuff. I know people are really big on the pickleball train now, so everybody's loving that. So I don't know what that is. And at this point, I'm starting to get too are, embarrassed. Are you the, the Chris the, Pratt meme of like, I don't know what this is. And at this point, I'm too afraid to ask. Yeah, I don't know if this is like a North American I, I thing. have no idea, to be honest with you. It's some sort of like wimpier version of tennis, I think, is my understanding. All right. I don't know. I haven't tried it. I don't know that I'll plan to try it. I think I'm going to stick to my rock climbing and disc golf for now. But yeah, definitely for me, that's sort of uh, easy work in of some more fun exercise versus trying to force myself to go to the gym every single morning. So make it fun, make it easy. Yeah. And then just a couple other things for me is making sure that I'm putting together a minimum viable to-do list. I have a tendency now with this Notion template of I try to do my best of separating things out in terms of what I know I can get done on this day and what would be some good bonus objectives to get done on the day if I like accomplish the main tasks first. And I, that's another topic, but I have two separate to-do lists that live in different places and one gets moved over here once it's time. It, like That's a whole different thing. But making sure that my to-do list for a day isn't like the optimal to-do list, it's the minimum viable to-do list and then borrowing things from tomorrow if I manage to get everything for the day accomplished. Small. And then the final thing is just making sure I'm getting out to see friends and family some more. My social life, social life shrank pretty considerably in the past year as a consequence of both working on the business and getting married and not drinking alcohol anymore. So not putting myself in situations where I would normally be in a social situation because we'd be out drinking or something. So just taking the initiative to organize things or put myself in positions where uh, I can get out and start seeing some more friends and family again. So definitely a plan for me for the next 12 months or so. I like that. Practice what you preach because we've definitely spoken on this call about the fact that relationships require effort and they require even more effort if you're not going to default to the cultural norms of drinking. For sure. Cool, man. Anything else you want to wrap up before we head out of here? I think I'm good. I've brought some quirkiness to this call <laughs> in random places. So I think I'm good for taking you on any more random segues. It's been a good year. I don't, uh, I, I should have looked up before we started when we actually, when I actually messaged you, but it's been fun five, six months here. And I'm looking forward to everything you're doing this year, man, and excited to be on this sort of parallel journey with you. A little bit different, but a lot the same and have really enjoyed the start of this friendship. So. I'm excited for what the next year looks like and I'll talk to you next week. Yep. Um, I'm very happy to reach out. So playing by your own rules, reach out. You never know what's going to happen. So really excited for the coming year. Side note, I think I've realized one of my other goals, bring down Tinder. If we're just going to throw one out there, <laughs> it's a bit of a lofty aim, but like if we can do this call next year and I'm just like championing the fact that I destroyed Tinder. I'm in. Win. I'm in. I'm with you. Let's <laughs> do it. Victory. All right, Andrew. Thanks uh, for joining me, man. Catch you real soon.